Hey, everybody, and welcome. I'm Shelley Brisbane, and this is Parallel, my podcast with a critical look at Clubhouse. And the first thing I'm going to say is that I will be recording this room for my purposes. I'm going to release it as a podcast. I'll probably do some editing, but I want everybody to know that if they speak, they're going to be recorded. And if you don't want to be recorded, please don't ask to speak. The guidelines for Clubhouse say that you're not allowed to record people without disclosing. So I will be disclosing frequently. When I thought about wanting to talk about Clubhouse and I you know, got on and I had some mixed feelings and still have some mixed feelings, but I'm enjoying it. And I saw a lot of people I know from the accessibility community getting involved. Uh, I, I felt like it was a good opportunity to talk about it. And so what better way to do a proof of concept than to actually get on the platform and talk about it? And so what I'm doing is recording our conversation, and it will be a conversation, for a future episode. One of the things we're going to talk about is sort of what Clubhouse is, what it's become, how people typically use it, and especially how they use it in ways that are different than the way I use it. So uh, if that's cool with everybody, uh, hang on for the ride. And let's see what happens because I've never, I've done, not done this before. I did host one room a couple weeks ago and that was a lot of fun and it was uh, more informal than this probably will be. Let's go. Hey, Joe. Hey there. Everybody, this is Joe Steinkamp. He is the co-host of Blind Bargains, also a veteran of many other podcasts on which we've uh, worked together and many which we've not. Um, enjoyer of snack foods. What else should we say about you? Accessibility nerd. Oh, yeah, the snack food, definitely. We were just talking about 3D Doritos and how we needed them in the household. All right, now stop. Just stop. We're not going to do oh, okay. 3D Doritos. I don't even want to ask about what that is. <laughs> They're actually returned. They've been around before. It's a, it's a return trip. All right, stop it. <laughs> well, okay. so let's start with, with you and Clubhouse. How long have you been on Clubhouse and, and what have you been, why did you, why did you join and what have you been doing? Mid-February, and it was JJ's fault, my co-host, um, who believes that this is a fantastic platform and we should do things with the podcast in the future. My experience was I immediately found an accessibility community. I'm not really surprised because an audio-only meeting medium is super appropriate for blind folks, and blind folks have been gathering in audio-only meetings mediums forever. But were you surprised at how quickly you connected with a lot of people that you knew and maybe some that you didn't in the accessibility world? I kind of had the same idea you did. I was thinking, you know, talking communities and others uh, that have done this before, Clango and, and others, but certainly not on this scale and not with lots of investment money in Oakland, California. Uh, so nothing on that level have we seen in this general area. And I have actually seen people that I know. Uh, there's a little pod um, podcast involved, so that's incest and podcast. So there's podcast involved. So there's there's some people that I know, but I found myself gravitating to uh, other things. So there was a wonderful video game talk that I was involved in on Friday last week, uh, mid February, and it was. Uh, one of my favorite people in video game journalism, Jeff Gar uh, Jeff Gersman was there. And uh, so I, I clicked on it because I was following him and it was maybe 20 people and they were talking very candidly about the industry and what it was like to try and do reviews with COVID and how difficult it had been uh, to capture what you know was happening in the industry where they meet each other all the time. Like 
you know, a lot of face in-person review uh, things at major conventions and major uh, junkets for games and how they've had to alter themselves to do that. And it was fascinating to hear how they've done that. And um, Giant Bomb, which Jeff is affiliated with, was a part of the Red Ventures deal uh, where uh, everything just happened, where they had had a takeover. So he was talking about what it was like to be involved in uh, servers and all of that at the most critical time of the year where they would do their end of year wrap up shows and do their best uh, games of the year. And so he was really honest about how that happened. And I don't think I would have heard that in a general podcast setting and certainly not interactively uh, because they asked questions and uh, had people talking back and forth. So there were some heavy hitters in this room and it really felt like I was just, you know, kind of sifting for gold and found a huge nugget. And I really enjoyed it. Let's back up a little because we're all on Clubhouse and we know how it works, but I want to give sort of a scene setter for those who've heard of it and might not have experienced it. And what you're saying is, is a good place to start because fundamentally Clubhouse is an audio only medium for us to all talk together. You have the metaphor of a room and more specifically, and, and this sort of comes to the DNA of Clubhouse, you have the metaphor of a stage and an audience. So you have people, Joe and myself are talking. We could have additional people as moderators who have powers in terms of elevating people to speaker status. And then everybody else is the audience. So they're sitting there listening. They're not able to communicate unless they raise their hand and I let them on the stage as a moderator. And so in that sense, it's very much like a South by Southwest conference session, which again goes back to the DNA of Clubhouse, which is this venture funded social startup. And much to, much fanfare went into getting the startup uh, funded and put on the map, uh, funded by Andreessen Horowitz, and with just all sorts of splashy efforts to get celebrities on the platform. Apparently, it's been around a year. I, I confess that I hadn't heard about it until a couple of months ago. But they spent a lot of time and money, a lot of money, seeding the platform with influencers and celebs. And so a lot of what you see is what you were describing, Joe, which is kind of the the technology uh, deep bench of, of geekery. And then, you know, people like us who are podcasters and people who have specific accessibility interests. But a whole lot of it is people who are entrepreneurs and into crypto and rational futurists and just, you know, Silicon Angel Valley. investing and, and, yeah, speculative futures. There's a lot of tech bro culture going on. And frankly, that sort of more than subtext made me really uncomfortable with Clubhouse as an idea, as a place I necessarily wanted to be. Because as you know, I mean, there are tons of social networks out there that are problematic in their own ways, whether it's Twitter or whether it's Facebook trying to eat the world. And, you know, and also Clubhouse is an audio medium. For those of us who are blind or visually impaired, that probably makes total sense. But I, you know, it, it was hard to see out the gate whether that was something that that other people were going to dig. Did you have some of those same reservations or were you more eager? I keep feeling like the other shoe is going to drop. I think it's going to be like smart speakers where they were audio only and then all the ones with screens started to pop up over time. I think that's inevitable in a way. Um, no one company wants to make one thing. You know, you have to divest and diversify. And so 
this is a great place to start, but it will have to change. Like you said, there's so much money behind it that there has to be a monetization curve. And what does that look like? And so I feel like the sort of Damocles is somewhere around here. I just don't know how far it is and what it will look like when it does come down. I mean, you don't get Elon Musk to come in and do things and not expect something to come out on the other side. Well, and and there was the, the, that was a big deal because Elon Musk came over and was you know, hanging out and, and talking about things and, and creating 5,000 is the maximum number in, in a room, but then they had a couple of overflow rooms. But Elon Musk talked to the CEO of Robinhood and there, there's all sorts of talk about podcasts. There's a lot of sort of clubhouse cest going on because people have investment relationships with one another. And the perception I think that a lot of people would reasonably have is that it's about promoting the platform. It's not just about Elon saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get online and see what's happening, you know, the way you or I might. Yeah. And, and that's okay. If, if it's like Patreon and you're building brand and you're laying down runways, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a lot more moderated than, say, a Zoom call or a Skype call or a Teams call. Right. It has a structure to it. What's interesting to me, given how long it's been out there, is that, number one, it's iOS only. And number two, for those of us with accessibility issues or needs, uh, there were huge accessibility problems up until, you know, three weeks ago or so. And they had a big rev. And there are active efforts going on right now to engage the developers in conversations about improved accessibility, not only for people with blindness, but for people with low vision, for people uh, with deafness and hard of hearing who would like to have some sort of live transcript service. And that's all great, except it's all happening just now. And that's that seems an unfortunate oversight with which we're familiar. I mean, there, we've, there are plenty of platforms that we, we discover and then we're like, oh, well, we have a lot of work to do in terms of talking to people about accessibility. Yeah, even something like dark mode, which right. some people have said, you know, how could you launch without dark mode now? Isn't that kind of a must-have? Um, I filed a request uh, about a week ago asking for that because I was very shocked that that wasn't there by default. Um, but, you know, it is impressive that there are responding, but, you know, some of that's come through social shaming, which is another shame uh, point. And then poor Stephen Aquino wrote a huge article and uh, it came out the day after they implemented a lot of things that he was complaining about in that article. Uh, as podcasters, we understand that uh, having recorded some demos and then they were fixed by the time we <laughs> uploaded them. So yeah. uh, I, I, I feel for that situation. I've been there. Um, but it is in the 0.x release cycle and it says that in the about area. So I don't know if that begs forgiveness or forgetfulness on their part. Um, and who knows, maybe in a year it'll be completely different. Uh, it's a very simple interface at the moment. It really does rely on you uh, to beef up your social profile. So it asks you to link your Twitter account, your Instagram account, uh, if you have one of those. Uh, it gives you invites because it's an invite-only situation at the moment. And it's been pretty generous with that in my uh, expectations and surprise uh, initially um, because I had three and then I nominated one or two people and then it gave me like four more or just a couple of days later. I, I want to talk about that at, in the larger context of privacy, but I want to take the opportunity to open it up. And I don't have any hands raised now, but I see several folks I know out there in the audience. I can uh, I can, I can, can shame you or you can raise your hands if you want to. Uh, 
Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Ricky. Ricky, you know her. Hi, Chancey. Uh, I, I, I might be aware of Ricky, yes. <laughs> uh, any of you guys out there uh, want to want to raise your hand? I'd love to have you join us. And that's all easy to view visually or with voiceover. That's now, uh, which makes things really uh, it's broken out in such a way that you can find these things. And even as a moderator, uh, you can do that with uh, just the built in speech on iPhones. And that's pretty amazing. Um, it does require a little bit of uh, momentary lapses in judgment because you have to hear voiceover speak while someone else is speaking to you. So it's good to do something like me filling time for Shelly so she can review the room to see who's in here. Right. And the dark mode thing is is an issue because uh, I have invert colors on right now and sometimes the alerts that pop up are not uh, in invert colors friendly mode. And so I have to zoom in in order to access them. And the, the, the raise hand thing is actually one of the easier ones, but there are alerts that somehow sometimes pop up at the top and uh, those aren't necessarily easy to spot. So, And uh, Ricky Enger has joined us. Uh, Ricky, another uh, podcast veteran, also a, uh, well, well, let's t- tell, tell us what you do for, for Hadley, Ricky. Uh, so I create uh, very short uh, workshop sort of tutorials on various types of technology for those who maybe don't love technology as much as I do, but still see it as a necessary part of life. Um, so I do that as well as host a monthly tech discussion group on a separate topic each month. And uh, of course, I've um, been on too many podcasts to count. So that's a part of things as well. But so, so tell me how long you've been on Clubhouse, what you've been doing. Did you and Joe join about the same time or have you been around longer? He was around a bit longer than uh, than I was. So my four-day experience certainly makes me an expert by now, <laughs> I would think. Get off my stage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I see that party hat. I finally figured out that party hat means you've been around less than a week. I didn't know. There's a little party hat icon that I don't even think voiceover reads because somebody asked me about it who happens to be low vision, and I didn't know what it meant. And apparently it is it is an indicative of your newness on. Oh, no, um, wow. Okay. So that's not indicated at all. It's not. Uh, with voiceover. So right. That's unfortunate. That's, that's fascinating. Another thing for I, us to complain about. Yes. I joined... Not for any particular reason. And actually, it was, I, I surprised myself by joining because I'm usually, if I'm not doing podcasting or, um, you know, interacting in that way, I'm really quite an introvert. And so the idea of joining this, this platform where I'm talking to people all the time was anathema to me. Like, why would I be doing that? But at the same time, everybody else was doing it. So why not jump on that bandwagon? And what I've found fascinating is that I did find the accessibility community rather quickly. uh, But even more fascinating to me than that was, I think, on Twitter and that kind of thing, in your own social networks, you, you get a an echo chamber, right? So you're sort of talking to the same people, just like you were 
pointing at people in the audience who are kind of in your circle and we all know each other. The thing that was really refreshing to me about Clubhouse was to be able to go into a room and either listen quietly along with, you know, two or 300 other people who were checking out a topic or to go into one of these kind of accessibility groups or spaces or whatever where people were gathering but they were a different echo chamber than mine. And so I didn't know who they were. They didn't know who I was. And we we all met and had fun things to talk about. Yeah, I have several thoughts about that because the metaphor going back to going to a conference, if I move from room to room at a conference and I see a topic I'm interested in, my tendency is go to the back, try not to disturb anyone, sit quietly. And if you're in a large room here in Clubhouse, that's certainly easy to do. Of course, if you've looked around rooms, you also see that your fo- people you follow uh, are are listed on the front page. So, oh, there's a room about uh, shortwave radio. Oh, look, there's four, the names of four people I know. Those people may be in the back. They may have no interest in being vocal about their presence there, but I'm attracted by their presence. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. And maybe I want to go, I, <laughs> I'll be honest. There was somebody on, uh, on Clubhouse the other night who does a reality television show. I am not the demographic for that show, but I have watched it. And my presence in the, it's, it's the millionaire matchmaker. Okay. It's ridiculous. I am a happily married human. I don't necessarily want to explain to anyone why I was in the millionaire chat maker, a matchmaker room for two minutes, <laughs> listening to see what the heck they were talking about. And I felt a little exposed. <laughs> I totally agree with that. It's been interesting. I really haven't had an experience where I went into a room that I was like, oh, this is my guilty pleasure and I hope nobody's watching. But I've seen the rooms that other people are going in and I'm kind of like, I have no interest in that. But it's interesting that they're interested in that. I never would have guessed or that kind of thing. And and so it is um, it, it, it can feel exposed just knowing that. Because Clubhouse, as you said, uh, it will list rooms that are open and it will show you what some of your followers are doing. And I guess it's to attract you. Hey, if you're interested in, uh, you know, you're friends with these people, chances are you have similar interests. So maybe you want to go in here and check that out. So that's interesting. And also what you said about kind of wanting to go in to a room and be quiet. It's been fascinating to me being in rooms of 20 people or less and someone is new to moderating and they're wanting everybody to have a good time and there's actually been a discussion of uh, when it's these less formal rooms everybody tends to raise their hand to speak so that it's just in real time and it's less formal and you can chat just as you would if you were in a room together but the moderator who is hoping for everyone to feel included had this moment of, um, should I, you know, should I just invite them to speak even though they haven't raised their hand because maybe they haven't learned where that is in the interface or maybe they want to be quiet. We don't know. And ultimately they decided we'll leave it up to them to raise their hand and then we'll say, okay, you can speak. But there was that discussion of, should we pull people 
in and make sure they feel included or should we let them lurk? Well, and and similarly, I mean, look what I just did. When I thought about how this show was going to be tonight, I could have contacted a few folks that I knew were on Clubhouse and basically roped them in as moderators. And I probably should have done that, but I was interested in the organic aspect and wanted to see if playing it by ear would work. And so as it was, I reached down to people I knew and said, and people, and frankly, people I knew not only just on a personal level, but who I knew as podcasters and advocates for accessibility and that sort of thing. And I put you guys on the spot and I, I, I'm not sure that was the right way to go. And you guys can tell me how you feel about that. But I don't want people to come in here and feel as if because I know their name, I'm going to reach down into the audience and say, come on, come on, because that's not what this is about. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I saw that when I was in the video game one and they asked people to speak and there was a little bit of nervousness the same way as i've gone to science fiction conventions and the the guy gets up there and uh or um uh, it's a pleasure to meet you and uh i I, and just and just froze right right. you know and so it, it is um it makes sense that you would do that because you're recording and you know we're gonna start off with but i like that about this in that it isn't a bunch of people uh, shouting for space, that there is some idea. And you can actually, uh, in the moderator control panel, uh, which I was in a room and that I got made a moderator by someone because they had to leave. And so uh, I got, I, I was given the power. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, but uh, in that control panel, you could list people. You could move people back down to the audience. You could list them as trolls. Um, it's neat that there's community guidelines and there was something already laid out uh, and maybe the slow rollout was the right way to go because there's there is a bit of a culture or at least implied culture if you choose to utilize the tools that they give you in that way. I'm more worried about uh, if you're in a conference or your friends are in the same circles. Uh, and then you may have had an HR issue with somebody at some way or you, you non-compete or some other contractual obligation. If you see that other person, you kind of got to leave, you know, or uh, if you have a TRO on somebody, you kind of, you know, how does that work? Well, more to the point, I, I would worry that especially if I'm in a large room for anyone, but especially if I'm relying on voiceover to help me identify who's in the room. I might be speaking in front of somebody I'm not aware is there, and that might be bad for me or it might be bad for them. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott, a show about tech heroes who have made our modern world possible. Each episode features innovative people who have made their mark in their respective fields as they chat with Microsoft's chief technology officer, Kevin Scott. Topics include machine learning, neuroscience, autonomous systems, and more. They also have a number of incredible guests, including science fiction author Charles Strauss and Daphne Kohler from Incitro, and astronaut Dr. Mae Jemison, the first African-American woman in space, chats with Kevin about human interstellar flight, the 100-year Starship project, and experimental education. She talks about achieving one's own level of excellence and explains why exploring an extraordinary tomorrow creates a better today. And you might hear a familiar voice on the show as Relay FM host Christina Warren has joined the Behind the Tech podcast. So I listened to an episode from a little ways back in the 
catalog. There were a lot of great guests, but I was struck when I saw the name of Danny Hillis. He created the first massively parallel supercomputer for a company called Thinking Machines back in the 80s and 90s. And I, long time ago, uh, was editor of a publication called Supercomputing News. And I didn't know much about Danny as a person other than that he was very, very young when he created that device. So it was great to hear a conversation that began with how he got interested in computers and how he started building computers at a very young age. And he's done a lot of things since then. He's an inventor and an entrepreneur, and he ran Disney Imagineering. And so that conversation covers all those facets of his life and career, and it was really fascinating. So go and listen to it now. Just search for Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott wherever you get your podcasts. That's Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott, or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let me invite Thomas to unmute because he's joined us up on stage. And let me throw out another topic for us to chat about. Hi, Thomas. First of all, welcome. Tell people about yourself. Thank you, Shelley. Uh, uh, my name is Thomas Dobville. Um, I, to make money I, on a daytime basis, I'm a consultant and trainer in the state of for rehab services. So I'm a trainer and kind of a, a rehab engineer. And on the side, I do a lot of things on AppleViz. Um, I have an AppleViz Unleashed podcast I do once a month uh, to, to discuss about a variety of Apple news. And then, of course, I do hundreds and hundreds of different podcasts talking about uh, apps or tips and advice and things like that. Cool. Well, welcome. I, the, the one topic related a bit to the privacy aspect of Clubhouse that I wanted to hit is this whole notion of how people get invited. First of all, the exclusivity thing, because a lot of people, especially who have beef with Clubhouse and the, the, the sort of venture capital ethos and bro culture and all that, they complain about how it's exclusive and how you have to be invited. Now, many social networks and many uh, websites, frankly, that I've you know been a part of over the years have begun in that way in order to create a gradual rollout. So I personally don't give Clubhouse grief for that. But what happens next was a little concerning to me. So you join Clubhouse, you're invited in, you get a couple of invites to start with to invite others, and then you get more as you participate in the community. But in order to issue those invites, you have to give access to your contacts into Clubhouse. There is no alternative. You can't just say, I've got Joe's email, go invite Joe. And that's really concerning. And there are a couple of other sort of permutations of that where once my contacts are sitting there, they're at, it actually is inaccurate. I have My contacts are everybody from friends and work colleagues to my doctor's office. And I think my doctor says, you know, Dr. So-and-so uh, has 12 friends on Clubhouse. I don't believe that's true at all. I, I haven't invited that number and I haven't called that person, but I there's there's weirdness there. And then there was an instance in which I, uh, it said something like, uh, your, your, your uh, contact so-and-so is on the waiting list to join Clubhouse. Invite them. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds like a great idea. With somebody I knew, I would love to talk to them. So I invited them. That person, now I'm still getting emails, that, now I'm still getting notifications that say, hey, why don't you remind that person to accept their invite? Clearly, they weren't looking for it or they've abandoned it or something. There's a lot of stuff going on there that seems a little fishy to me. And I'm just wondering if any of you guys have, have thought about this stuff or if it worries you at all or if you're just, hey, it's fine. 
I thought about it. I mean, think about it. This is a new social platform. I mean, it, whether you're going to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, they all do the same thing. That's one reason. And it's free for a reason. And you have to get those contacts. You have to give you the selling information, those things. And yeah, it is it is concerned, but that's the kind of a price when you sell your soul to the devil. Um, that's pretty much what this whole thing is all about. Um, not only that, but yeah, there's a lot of people I know. There's uh, there's people on the team of AppleViz that will not come onto Clubhouse for that reason. Um, they do not want their contact to be shared. Um, I can say that you can't come onto Clubhouse and deny the contacts. You just won't be able to invite people right. or see who's on it. But you can deny it if you want. So, but if you want to invite somebody, then you have to. But I just kind of want to point that out that you don't have to do that. But I mean, really, it, isn't that pretty much how society works as a social platform? I think it's a little more explicit. And I, I try to make that clear that, yeah, it is tied to whether you're using your invites. So that's, that's, it's very specific to that process. You don't have to give your contacts beyond Clubhouse. It'll ask you, but you can deny it. But I think that's a more. Uh, other other apps will ask it of you. I've never given Facebook or Instagram my contacts despite their continued requests. And they actually give me some theoretical benefit because if I gave them my contacts, it would make it easier for me to direct message those contacts. It would make it easier to find out whether a Facebook contact is on Instagram and so on. But I've never done it because there's never been anything sufficiently compelling to force me to want to do it. Not only are you sharing your contacts with Clubhouse so that you can get invites, everyone else is too. And yet those people who are in your contacts never opted in for that data to be given to Clubhouse. And so it is a little bit sketchy, uh, clearly not sketchy enough for me to not have done it, but it is something to think about. And it's been fascinating to me to see, oh, you know, like you with the doctor's office example, the double tree hotel in Florida uh, <laughs> that I have in my contacts has like 63 people on Clubhouse. But no, I suppose it means just that many people have also shared their contacts list and happen to have that number in there. But it's, we're giving data from other people who didn't consent and many of them would probably have been very much against it. Wait, this website that I know nothing about and have no involvement in has my name and number. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like I say, obviously I did it. And I always say about these kinds of things that I'm doing it for for work, for research. I'm doing it for this podcast. I'm doing it for my day job where I'm reporting on things like social media. And in fact, I'll talk in a little while about some benefits I've gotten from Clubhouse that I didn't expect. But it does seem like there's always a price to pay. And it's usually with regards to your data. Michael, welcome. Thank you, Shelley. I wanted to jump in and mention something about the, the contacts feature that maybe not a lot of people realize, uh, maybe you do, uh, but if you go to anyone's profile, you can see who who invited that person to come on the clubhouse. Right. And I, I feel that is slightly more concerning. I mean, yes, I, I agree with the fact that 
you know, uh, your contacts are being uploaded and people don't, don't give that permission to upload those contacts. But I could go and click on my name and it says Demasi Thomas invited me. I can click on his name, see who invited him, click on her name, see who invited her and, and go all the way down that chain. And I think that's very intriguing. And it makes, at least it makes me be cautious with who I actually choose to send my invitations to. I, you know, I've heard this is the reason why they do that, Mike, and that is, one, this is how they are able to keep it small, and you only invite people because they want you to choose wisely and responsibly, so you're not inviting trollers and things like that. But my understanding is if that person that you invite gets in trouble, gets banned or kicked, that there are consequences to you because you invited them as well. I don't know what that is. Um, but I've heard something like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think if you read it in the guidelines, it's there. And to be honest, I hadn't read that. I sort of picked it up through osmosis over the few weeks I've been around here. But that's it's it's not made explicit to you when you invite somebody in. It says it gives you the opportunity to welcome them, sort of all the positive aspects of social connection and say, hey, welcome them in. I've seen people essentially throw rooms for new people and say, so-and-so is new. And and in fact, they're, they're sometimes fairly aggressive about trying to get you to jump into uh, to a room. Uh, I saw a, a room welcoming somebody the other day, and the person they were welcoming wasn't even there. But somebody had apparently clicked on the link that said, why don't you welcome your new friend, who was also my new friend. And so we ended up in a room together looking at each other going, Where's our friend? <laughs> so I, I I don't know how much all of you guys have some connection with the accessibility world, and we talked about that a little bit. And Joe talked about video games, and I have have been intrigued by some of the other places I've I've been in Clubhouse, both positive and and negative from my own personal point of view. And I, I I'd love to hear from some of you guys uh, what some of the most interesting rooms you've been in since you've been on Clubhouse. I have looked into interests. Um, I know this sounds crazy and all, but you know everybody knows. I love Disney. So I, I looked up Disney and they do have a couple of channels to that realm. So I hopped in there and um, these people were like super fans and we were able to listen and discuss about the, the new things going or just uh, if you've never been to Disney, do you have questions and things like that? Um, the other channel I've been into is Dungeons and Dragons. Um, believe it or not, there's a channel in there for those people that want to start a game or to discuss about various rules and just, just discuss about Dungeons and Dragons. And one of my favorite um, is one of our community, Tansi, she began a new room called Blind Origami. And so she offers a class that does origami for those who are blind. So she's stepping us through the process of taking a sheet of piece of paper. Now we're going to fold this in half and do this and this. And it just totally blew my mind that there are so many different things we could take advantage of this um, because this platform started as with a lot of visual people. And so I felt more inclusive when I talked to Dungeons & Dragons and Disney because they, uh, they don't talk to you like you're blind or anything because they, they don't know that. So, I, so we're all treated fairly. It's just, so those are some of the channels I, or rooms I've been in. And it's funny because I've heard people in our community, uh, reaching out to go to rooms that say voiceover and didn't realize that it was voiceover, voiceover artists. artists. Well, I've had yeah. that on Twitter for years. <laughs> yeah. So for some people, this is their first opportunity. And 
you know, you you forget if you've been uh, in this kind of a realm for a while, you forget that a lot of people have never been to a convention or a sci-fi, you know, accessibility, what have you. And so a lot of tropes that are involved with Clubhouse are very much like those conference uh, things that Shelley was talking about earlier. And they're learning the ropes as they go and you know, so you'll see some of the rookie mistakes I was talking about earlier, um, but you'll also see such a great viewpoint of people, people that you would, you know, normally see at these things. But then you get somebody who's completely new, who didn't know that there was a service or an opportunity available. And now Michael has given me the need to go look up a bunch of Disney stuff because that sounds awesome. Um it, it's very good, though, in getting you to go look there. So if you look for a search, it breaks it down into uh, categories that you can go looking around. Or you can just search by topic or you can search by person. So in that respect, I kind of like how it parses its information and lets you sift and go looking for those things that you're really interested in. They even have karaoke channels, too. That makes sense. I've I've heard I've heard uh, channels where they have people who are like uh, some somebody who sounded like she had the, the kind of voice that would have gotten her on Broadway. I'm not sure if she was a Broadway performer or not, but uh, she was singing. It was, she was quite good. Yeah, a couple of uh, sets of channels that I've been on have been interesting, both in positive and negative ways. And the good stuff first. So I, uh, a lot of us know one another, and I see folks that we know in the audience from the sort of broader visual impairment community, blindness community. But I have actually found a much wider group of accessibility folks, and uh, there's a group on Clubhouse called the 15%, which, among other things, and they're doing a lot, one of the things they're doing is advocating for improved accessibility of the app. But I meet people in there who are who have different disabilities, who are in different parts of the world, whose advocacy takes on a more political flavor, who are educating me about issues for people with uh, neurodivergent situations or people who are physically disabled. And the way that they articulate their activism is is very cool and it makes me think about this stuff more broadly and and also because I tended not only to be in the blindness world a lot but in the technology focused blindness world and so those groups have been great uh, in my day job I'm a public radio journalist and so I've actually encountered a couple of rooms where I've uh, heard uh, people talking about uh, COVID-19 data distribution and how to make that information accessible. Uh, Also, apparently the mayor of my city, Austin, Texas, uh, gets on Clubhouse fairly regularly, as do some other mayors. And my guess is that some of that is at the initiative of the founders of Clubhouse, the the founders of South by Southwest have been on here because there's this sort of natural similarity to the metaphor of the conference. And those are sort of interesting because you feel like you're having this more intimate connection with somebody like the mayor or the founder of South by Southwest, if that's an interest of yours, or filmmakers or television personalities or hip hop stars or whoever it is that you're probably sports people, although that's not my interest, so I haven't found them. And then on the negative side, uh, I have run into some bro culture. I've run into people who whose fundamental reason for being here is to become wealthy and successful. Uh, if that's their fundamental reason for existing professionally, good for them. I don't feel like I have much in common with them, and so I don't hang out with them. It's very, very sort of, you know, 
the billionaires of Clubhouse kind of stuff. And and my reaction is is negative. I just don't I don't I don't play in that ballpark. I've been in a couple of those rooms to see maybe if I'm being a little bit too judgmental, and maybe I am, but it's not for me. So I <laughs> uh, then and another thing that's of concern to me is that. The uh, venture folks, the, the A16Z folks who created Clubhouse with venture backing, uh, a lot of their motivation is to replace a media that they don't like. And I am a journalist, and so I have a little bit of a, a negative reaction to that. They seem to feel like uh, AI and data and uh, letting every venture capitalist have a megaphone is a substitute for a functioning, free, fair press. And I don't agree. And so I like to sit in the back of those rooms and, and grumble. I don't find it interesting to argue with strangers very often, which is surprising because I'm still on Twitter. But uh, I sit in the back of those rooms and just am agape at some of the sort of ridiculous smugness of some of those folks. I, I hope that one of the evolutions of the app is that discoverability becomes a little more straightforward because what I typically see the rooms that are highlighted on my front page are rooms people I know are in. And of course, I can search for any topic I want to, but I assume that at some point the discoverability of the app will become a little more straightforward, or at least I hope so. So if I could jump in, this is Michael. One of the rooms that I found, so by uh, my day job is I do customer service for Peloton. Um, and I did a search for Peloton just to see what came up. And it surprised me that there were people, I, it shouldn't have surprised me, but it did, that there were people in the room uh, exercising on their bikes while being able to talk to people. And they were taking that that verbal have someone with you while you work out and motivate you while using the the Peloton system uh, with the instructors to help them with with exercising and keeping them on task. And uh, the the collaboration that they were using impressed me. And then I found some WordPress uh, um, rooms. Uh, and the other thing that I found was um, building traffic to your podcast was an interesting one I jumped in on last night. And you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes people just want to jump in and listen. And I'm glad to see that more and more rooms that I'm jumping in now are not just automatically assuming that you want to be an audience member because that was driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, that's great. And I, I feel like the the po the positive thing about things like origami and the Peloton thing that you were describing are that people are finding creative ways to use this space, which is the way I felt about a podcast because I'm sure there are people out there and maybe club maybe some of them work at Clubhouse who are like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to record this and turn it into a podcast. But podcasting is my medium of choice, right? So to me, it makes sense. I talk to people all the time. I, I jokingly said that when I got on Clubhouse, half of what I was going to be doing was trolling for guests. And I've trolled a lot less than I thought I would be, uh, although I have found some great guests on here. Uh, but to me, that's my native medium. For some people, listening in an audience might be closer to their medium. They may not want to speak. For others, it might be video. For others, it might be you know the, the way TikTok allows you to communicate. And it just feels like Clubhouse is still developing its many, many cultures. And that's kind of kind of cool. And the FOMO is real for me. There are speakers and people that I'm interested in that are outside the United States. So the time zone problem 
gets in the way. I got in trouble when I pitched this event because I said, and to be really honest, it was diminishing my own expectations because I didn't want to say, all right, here's an event where I want 100 people to come and five show up. And so I said, well, let's make it at a time it's convenient for me. And no less than four people said, don't like the UK very much, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I've learned my lesson. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's great conversations that are happening, but I'm not going to set my my clock by it, although there is a calendar feature. Yes. So you you could do exactly that. Um, but it it is one of those where you can find something and uh, it is not been kind of broken out in the same way with other apps. I know some people, you know, have long and wide WhatsApp contact lists and the like. And, uh, you know. I I hear that, but I also am not a huge fan of what WhatsApp represents. And I'm with you, Shelley. There are certain parts of this that I'm not sure about. I was reading about how uh, recently when uh, in an article that China was very much uh, trying to stop Clubhouse and people were trying to get around it with VPNs. But because this is an app that's offered in that area, um, you know, these IDs are being tagged, these conversations and who's in here is being tagged and can be shared with the Chinese government because that's the agreement in working in that region. But I have to outweigh the good with the bad. Uh, Like you said earlier, you know, is there the trade-off that makes it worth it? And so far for me meeting some people in this setting is very nice. It isn't like, uh, oh, I got to do my hair and get my right suit because I got to sit in front of a camera and say hi to people. You know, this is very uh, relaxing and something that you can do. And um, but I, I I do agree that it does try to get you to siphon off as much as you possibly can and be a part of the community and feel like you're missing out. By the same token, too, like my natural, like if I go to do a podcast, I sit in front of the nice microphone and I press record, but mostly when I'm listening or even when I'm having conversations with people in rooms, mostly I'm sitting in my recliner with my earphones, earbuds in. And the sound is good enough that I can, as a participant especially, feel comfortable doing that. And then if I want to run a room, I mean, I am in here in my little podcast closet so I can talk on my fancy microphone, but that's only because... I've chosen to run this in this way. There's a there's a way it can feel. I mean, <laughs> people in the house walking by me think I'm on the phone with somebody. I'm just on the phone with 30 people. You know, <laughs> that's the difference. Uh, I want to talk about at least a couple of more topics just as a sort of a, a reset. I want to talk about accessibility and your own personal experience with it. What have been the problems? What have been the good surprises, if there are any? And then I want to talk about ways in which Clubhouse may or may not be incomplete, at least so far, as a social uh, platform, because I've I've noticed there are a couple things that are missing that I would like to see. There's definitely some learning curve into this. Um, you know, as you said earlier, there was definitely some accessibility to this app, and I have to give them kudos. They, they I mean, to whip this out that quick and to be able to make it to this point. I think the most difficult point, I think we can all agree, is that it's very confusing that at the very bottom, you can raise your hand. That's not so much of a deal, but when I raise my hand, so when you send like, oh, go ahead and come up 
Thomas, you can come on up. That's where it gets real dicey. And trying to explain to people, you have to go to the top right-hand corner, hit profile, and then you have to go search to to accept it. And there's so many things in the way to get to that. So I wish there was a little more uh, containers or headings or um, controls that we could be able to get to things quicker or simpler access. But I feel that's probably the biggest one, I think, for me. I'll second what Thomas said. It was, uh, I'm thankful this didn't happen to me. This happened to somebody I knew where uh, he was invited to Clubhouse and he was uh, joining for the very first time. And one of his professional contacts was (laughs) there at the same time and pulled him into a room and he hadn't seen the app yet. So he was, how do I raise my hand what am I supposed to do and where do I go so that I can then talk and there was just that super awkward moment of fumbling around because it wasn't straightforward to figure that out so that's uh, like I said I agree with with Thomas about the accessibility of that and it makes for awkward interactions where if you're you know somebody's asked you to speak and you should be able to just be right on it. And yet here you are flicking through things to find what you need. I think it's really weird that we we talked about this earlier, how the accessibility didn't start to happen until just a few weeks ago. And I actually was wondering because of the invite system and so on, was it just that people with disabilities um, weren't invited until a little while back, just kind of by happenstance, because the whole bro culture and they all invite each other and so on. And maybe there just weren't enough people with disabilities in those circles to make accessibility become an issue until somebody was invited and suddenly there's this big cascade and a big push for accessibility. I'm glad it's happening now. Um, but you know, I think we still have a little ways to go. And having not been on here very long, I can't say what other major issues there are beyond what we just mentioned. But I'm I'm certain there are some. We've got a couple of folks who've raised their hands, so, so I'm going to. I joined on January 14th, and back then uh, there was substantial amounts of unlabeled buttons. I was never more grateful for iOS's ability to automatically label some buttons. That definitely helped. And honestly, before I actually spent a lot of time in Clubhouse, the thought crossed my mind because I got invited by someone and they kept urging me to get on here was, why do I want to join another social media? And for me, that's, that's saying a lot. I'm the type of person who always likes trying new social media out. And so that, that disconcerted me. And then the accessibility issues uh, made it difficult to actually enjoy it. And then that, that update came, I think it was the first or second week of February, and all of a sudden it's it's a lot more uh, usable and I found screen time going up and I started using it more. Uh, one of the quirks for someone who is new, and it, it 
comes down to making it a pleasant experience for all involved is learning how the mute with voiceover works. If you are on the stage in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a mute button. And if you double tap that, it says selected mute button. And uh, when it says selected, then you're actually muted. And then when it doesn't say selected, then you're unmuted. And for a new user, I think that could be a confusing way of doing it. But once you figure that out, then you're aware of it for next time you're up on stage. Yeah, by the same token, uh, what Ricky was mentioning earlier, I think it was Ricky who was talking about the sort of two-step process of getting onto the stage where you raise your hand, you're approved, but then the person who wants to speak has to go to their profile and say that they want to get on the stage for real, and it's a weird thing. There are efforts apparently going on to impact accessibility. Like I say, the 15% project group is working on things, especially outside of the voiceover realm. And I need to jump in because low vision is one of those things that always gets uh, left out, mainly because, in my opinion, everybody's low vision situation is different. I mean, Joe and I have talked before about what he wants is the brightest possible screen experience, and I want the exact reverse. Neither of us is wrong, but we have different things to explain to people as far as that goes. Yeah, eyes are different. Uh, glaucoma versus retinitis pigmentosa. Each one's going to respond to things differently. Uh, and I even suggested themes uh, because that would actually yeah. be something that you could, you know, either monetize or uh, provide in certain ways to dress it up, which is something Facebook, you know, took forever to recognize that there was even a, a desire for dark mode. Uh, and now that they have, it's it's great that it's come there, but there has been a lot more people coming to it, especially on these lighter uh, screens that are happening on bigger phones. So, you know, I'm rocking a 12 Pro Max and this screen is incredibly bright. Yeah, I had and, to come to Clubhouse to find out that Joe has a 12 Pro Max. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that, that screen, you know, is super bright and super large. And I forget about it until I hit a screen or a layout like this where there are, you know, little pictures of things with words under them. So it was immediately invert colors. Uh, but thank goodness it wasn't one of those where I you run into some apps where you have to turn dark mode off to get invert colors to work. And this was not one of those times. And I'm on an iPad, first of all, because I want quick access. I want to be able to have a better, bigger, better view. And it's a legacy app. It's not even a full iPad app, which is a total bummer. And I, I guess another thing we could throw in the mix if folks are interested is sort of, I guess it's like this is the way with any sort of social platform, but you sort of learn the etiquette and the terminology and the jargon of the site. And I think people are doing that with Clubhouse and they're sort of teaching each other stuff like being on stage and being muted while you're on stage and all that. And and it, it sometimes kind of takes a while. And in an audio medium especially, I think sometimes people are a little awkward until they kind of figure out get their feet under them and so but you know once you do it's it's pretty straightforward hi derek welcome hey hey how are you shelly i've been following all of you guys pretty much for years so this is pretty dope so real quick uh like michael i got on here oh two days before he did and it was largely as he spoke of and accessible but i'm the type I, i'll i'll mess with it anyways and uh I have been doing basically private rooms or social rooms with only people like I follow. And um, I've been very judicious with my, what do you call these, invites. 
and I don't get, I have eight of them and I don't know eight people that I would give them to. That's been my problem, but uh, I've had good experiences. I've ran into some crazy stuff like you, Shelly. I ran into the billionaire stuff and I'm like, yeah, that's okay. But uh, I've enjoyed it so far and uh, I'll probably keep using it. Well, thanks for, thanks for piping up and joining us. Katie is out there. One thing I noticed the other day when I was playing around here, I've only been on here about a week, there's a very subtle beeping sound when you actually get an invitation. And all I can think is if somebody has a hearing impediment, how would they even know about that? It's such a little, like, bleep. Well, and I don't always hear, like, there as a moderator. Right. And if you have other things going on, like people yeah. talking. As, as a moderator, there is also a little sound that's made when somebody raises their hand, except I'm not hearing it all the time. I'm having to pay attention to my screen, which is not ideally what I would do. And as, as I think I mentioned before, hearing impairments, there's a bigger issue just in terms of being able to participate. Right. right. Because that's even if you have too. some hearing you may not be able to follow a conversation that's in your ears where people have varying degrees of speech quality and you're not sure who's speaking, although there is a visual indicator, which we don't have access to. So just right. just FYI, uh, when somebody is speaking, when somebody is unmuted, the microphone air, uh, icon is not there the, with the slash. And if somebody is speaking, there's a circle around their image. And so it's it's actually pretty subtle. And I have to often look really, really close with my low vision. And again, because there's not dark mode, it's not highlighted yeah, very well. That sounds exhausting, yeah. <laughs> actually. Well, I do it for the people, you know. <laughs> and supposedly it's kind of web-based in that it has to refresh. Sometimes if the server is under heavy load, some of the buttons won't always populate or the voiceover bu buffer doesn't catch them. Well, that reminds me of the whole the jargon conversation I was I was starting a little bit earlier. So when I, the first night I got here, people kept saying, PTR, PTR. Push to pull to refresh, uh, and usually you don't have to do that. But sometimes, if it's being sluggish, uh, pull to refresh. Fresh will actually not only repopulate whether people are muted or whether they're available, but it'll also uh, move people around in the speaking hierarchy and refresh their avatars and stuff like that. So, and it's a perfect show title. Yeah, it, it is a perfect show Ooh, title. Not mine though. <laughs> no, not one of yours. Not one of yours. <laughs> It's either that or it's so this, a really cheap beer. I don't know. PTR, yeah. This, anyway. this is fascinating to learn that there actually was a a way to tell who is speaking and we don't have access to that. So just going back quickly to the accessibility talk, there may be a number of features or things, uh, you know, could be very subtle things or could be something that would be right in your face if you knew or could look for it that we don't know we don't have access to. Well, it's true. And it's that party horn thing that I was mentioning. And I didn't know what that meant before. And people asked me, somebody else who's low vision asked me what that little symbol was. And I said, well, it looks like the ta-da emoji. Ta-da! And I, yeah, it's an upside down party horn. And then finally, later on, I found out what it meant. And a voiceover wasn't reading it. It wasn't obvious to me as a viewer. Oh, that person with a party hat, that person's new. Well, now that I understand it, it makes sense, but it wasn't clear. I will also say that just from an iOS perspective, the interface is kind of weird. It's not obvious where things are. You can find them, but it is not a 
standard issue iOS app in terms of, oh, well, this is where I would look for my settings. This is where I would look for... Um, you know, new. Re- this the is back button. the back button, right? The, <laughs> yeah, their back button points downward. So it's as visually weird as it is with voiceover. That's good to know. Yeah, it's it is weird. It's it's very odd, and it took me a little while to find things. And there's still things that I discover. There are some iOS things that they use that are sort of standard. They use pop up pop over cards, so that if you tap on somebody's profile, that's a a card. But it's not clear. Like I couldn't tell you offhand. That process when I invite you to speak and you have to go confirm you want, that's somewhere on your profile card, but it's not apparent where that is. Like, it, it's not a logical place. It's not like, oh, well, it's in this place where it should be. And, you know, to leave a room that's in the bottom right. left. And, and half the time, the four-finger tap on the bottom of the screen gets you to that button when you're in your profile, and half the time it doesn't. So it's inconsistent right. anyway right. with voiceover. Uh, we've got another person who wants to join us. Anyway, welcome, Crystal. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, this this is Crystal. Yes, I'm from Australia. The conversation is uh, very interesting. I've, I've just joined recently. I'd like to see more more notifications given. Like when somebody gets up to or when somebody starts speaking, I'd like to have voiceover read out the name of the person. In some rooms, they make it a practice of saying, you know, you get up and you say, "Hi, my name's so and so," and at the end of this, at the end of your um, monologue, you, you say, uh, yeah, no, and I'm Crystal and I'm done speaking. So that for people who are deaf who are using, um, you know, captioning, they can distinguish between where one person stops, sorry, and, and a new person begins. Um, and I was actually just in a room with, with a couple of profoundly deaf speakers and they were saying that, yeah, that's, that, that, that etiquette is really helpful to them. But, yeah, I certainly hope that that there are more improvements made for voiceover users. I'm, I'm optimistic because it's a very young app. I'm Crystal. I'm done speaking. Thank you. That's a really good thing to remind us of because I've, I've heard the I'm done speaking uh, nomenclature in other rooms and almost exclusively rooms that have to do with accessibility. And I frankly didn't know what that was about. And I'm really glad to hear that because I didn't implement it here and I haven't been using it myself because I think even for those of us who are uh, understanding of the needs of accessibility, whether they be ours or other people's, understanding kind of why is is much more helpful to me than just, oh, a mnemonic that, oh, yeah, I should probably do that. Now that I know why, I'm probably going to do it. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, well, it's Crystal here again. Yeah, that's um, me too. I mean, look, I, I heard you, you should do this in certain rooms. It was like, this is the way we do it. And I'm like, yeah, right. Um, don't like being told what to do. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, yeah, like, like you, now that I understand the why of it, it makes perfect sense and I'm done. Thank you, Crystal. Chansey's in the audience. The last time I was in a room with Chansey, I called her out and said, when are you going to be on my show? And I promised I wasn't going to do that anymore. So I'm not going to make Chansey come up. <laughs> she doesn't want to. This is my opportunity to, to talk to Chansey. I haven't talked to Chansey you know, in about a year. This is Well, that I, we can make that a segue. I'm going to invite somebody onto the stage, but I'm going to start a little bit of a, of a topic because uh, I, I think there's something missing from Clubhouse that is just sort of super awkward, and we touched on it a little bit. Uh, but but it is this idea of there's not really a way to DM people. The, the Clubhouse experience is literally just getting in rooms and talking to people in audio mode. So while we've been doing this, I actually saw uh, invite friends from your contact list. So I invited JJ, my co-host, 
and uh, it says ping your, you know, ping your friends, and it brings up all the people that you're following. And I pinged JJ, and it said uh, JJ has his notifications turned off. And I was like, oh, well, that that's a shame. And then there was no back button, so I couldn't scrub but, out. But pinging is not direct messaging. Pinging is to say, right. hey, I'm doing hey, this room on. over here. And uh, last I checked, I think I had 120 followers or something. And I could call them up and say, hey, ping, 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 you guys come over. But if you and I are having a chat and in the background, I want to say, Joe, send me some of those Doritos. Uh, I can't do that. I have to find you no. on Twitter or via some other message. Yeah, you have to you have to go around it in, a, in another Yeah, app. and it um, seems like maybe that's somewhat intentional on Clubhouse's part right now because they want people to- I would imagine so because that keeps you inside the experience. Also, if if you do decide to use the ping feature voiceover tip, uh, go to the share button, click on that, then back out because then scrubbing out will drop you back to the regular interface. Good to know. Simon, welcome. I'm fairly new. I joined last Wednesday. Uh, so far, I found this uh, very interesting. I've enjoyed uh, most of the rooms that I've found. Um, as for accessibility, well, <laughs> I think everybody else has mentioned it, so I won't repeat. <laughs> and I'm done speaking. Thank you. And I am doing such a terrible job of modeling that behavior. This is Shelly again, and <laughs> I'm going to get it eventually, but uh, it's going to take me a while because now it's a practice thing. Now it's not a resistance thing. It's just me not having practiced. Uh, oh, wow. More folks want to join us. This is Ricky. I just wanted to say uh, there have been a couple of requests so far with people talking about what they would like to see in Clubhouse. And one of them was, uh, you know, let let people know when people are coming in and out. And I think that's an interesting thing to want. Um, I'm guess I guess I'm on the other side of that in that I think it's really refreshing to be able to drop in and out of rooms. I don't want to say anonymously, but there's always that feeling that sort of social etiquette that when you're in a room talking to somebody and then you maybe need to leave or something, it feels really rude to just disappear. And yet on Clubhouse, it's almost like that is um, sort of part of the etiquette. It's accepted. It's okay you go in and out as you please. And there's something that feels kind of freeing to me about that. And the button even says leave quietly. It reminds right. you you can do that. So you just sneak out the back of the room. That's what I always think of. Exactly. Like, uh, glad there's no no loud door closing as there would be in an, in a convention conference room, like, and everybody turns around who just left. And your dog is shaking its collar. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, somebody else has joined us. Oh, my old friend, Eileen Hoffman. Hello. Hi, Shelly. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. If I could make a couple of comments, I've been on here a couple of weeks and, of course, Reigns invited me because he thought I'd be a great moderator in here because of all the work that I've done moderating for eWorld and Talk City and everything. But I'm not a fan. Um, I was very confused by the fact if you want to, which uh, somebody was just saying, if you want to post uh, sentences, a couple of sentences about what you're discussing 
there's absolutely no way to do that. So there's no way when someone comes in the room, they can be brought up to date on what's being discussed. And I was very surprised to hear that you want, if you wanted to contact people, you had to go out to Instagram or Twitter and find them and do it that way, which I just think is very strange because why are they sending people out to a site owned by a whole nother company? It just didn't make any sense to me. Plus, I've noticed when you go into a room that the moderators tend to invite people they know. So if you aren't Terry White or somebody famous, at least in the Mac and Adobe market, you're just sort of left behind sitting in the audience going, well, gee, nobody cares what I say. We talked about that at the very beginning because this is an experiment that I'm doing. And of course, the first people that I saw that were in this room that I invited up were people I knew. And I did that not only because I knew them, but because I knew I could have a conversation with them. And I opened it up to let other folks come in. But yeah, and it's it's a problem that we see in, in social media and certainly in podcasting where there's a real incestuous uh, sort of set of relationships where you, you tend to gravitate toward folks you, you, tr- you trust for whatever reason. And sometimes that's a legitimate thing, especially if you're trying to make a production or a podcast or something that's going to flow and sound great. But other times it's just thoughtless and it makes people feel isolated and that's not good. So have you been able to make any recommendations to the owners of Clubhouse? Because you've been involved in community building for so many years. I haven't directly. There is a I, there's a group I want to get more involved with that's focused on making Clubhouse more accessible. They're called the 15%, and they're focusing on how not only to make the platform more accessible to people with disabilities, but also just to make it a more inclusive and welcoming place. And I've spent some time in their rooms, and I've talked in a couple of those rooms, but I haven't really gotten engaged with that group the way I would like to. And frankly, I was kind of hoping some of them would drop by tonight and I haven't seen them yet, but it's it's going to be up to me to just sort of jump in and say, how can I help from my point of view? Well, I hope they put you on board because there's just so many weird little things here that, that are more ex- uh, exclusive than inclusive, you know? Yeah, they've got a ways to go. I, I, I agree with you there, but... Um, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you. you came by. Let me ask Jesse to join us. Oh, that's somebody else I know. And that's not why I picked him. <laughs> Jesse's been a guest on my show. Come on up. Hello there. Hey, Jesse, welcome. Yeah, um, I just figured I'd chime in with a couple of thoughts here so far. But yeah, good to be on the podcast again. And I totally agree with you that uh, embrace the dark side. Uh, dark theme would be great. I didn't know if I really wanted to join this. Um, I, I'm not too much into joining a lot of social networks. Twitter's kind of my thing. I don't really do much with uh, most other ones, but this one being kind of an audio format, and I've just been hearing from a few people uh, kind of in my network and my little sphere that, you know, they're seeing some interesting things happen. And, um, I'm kind of almost looking at it more through like some of the work that I do, um, maybe professionally, because during my day job, I work as an assistive technology specialist for the state. But a lot of my projects that I do on the side are um, technology, 
game XR accessibility advocacy kind of a thing. And, um, I actually got invited from uh, from Mr. Steinkamp over there, so uh, when things go all crazy, I'll just blame him. There's a lot of people in both the accessibility area and in the gaming area, which I've kind of started to follow, having just joined yesterday. And I'm kind of almost looking at it as more of a way to... You know, hear some of those conversations that you always hear on the out from the outside, from podcasts and articles and blogs and different things like that, videos. But even to be able to, you know, potentially have a chat with some of these people. Um, I know one of the people that really kind of inspired me to get into what I'm doing right now, uh, as far as videos and such uh, for gaming you know, the way that they've done it, they've just kind of inspired me. I would love to just be able to talk to them in, in an environment like this, just being able to kind of do something like that. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I guess I'll give this thing a shot and see how it goes. But I would say really quickly, as far as accessibility, I think I, I would definitely like to see a little bit more consistency because, yes, there are places where like the interface doesn't behave the way you would expect a typical iOS app to behave, especially that back button when you go into your um, your buddy list profile. It took me forever to figure out how to close that. Um, but then also kind of for the people who have been in Zoom meetings like I have been for the past year or so, I think going too crazy with audible notifications can also drive you crazy so having a toggle for those types of things for who's speaking who's leaving who's not you know who left or who came in i think it's important to kind of maybe limit some of that or give the option to have whether you want that on and off because i find that in other um meeting apps that can be really distracting and annoying after a while so, um, and then dark mode, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of my spiel. Jesse just brought up something interesting and it's not my podcast, so I don't know why I'm throwing out the question, but I am curious why it is that we have all been on zoom meetings for the past year and we have this zoom fatigue and zoom overload and all of that stuff. And <laughs> so basically we're hearing other people's voices in our heads all the time. And yet somehow this is different. And I really can't put my finger on why that is other than, you know, if it's a zoom meeting, you would have to have the invite to go, et cetera, et cetera. But what makes this attractive after having Zoom fatigue, why are we okay with listening to other people talk and actually looking forward to that well, where we aren't so much with Zoom? Well, for me, I think it is, and you kind of hit on it a little bit there, with Zoom, you know, you kind of have to know the people to start with, and you need the invite, you need to join a meeting, you need to join a room or set something up. Um, this it's I kind of look at it almost like a like a I'm sort of experimenting with uh, Clubhouse as sort of a combination of Zoom and Twitter. Like oh I can follow people in the accessibility or blindness area uh, fields, or I can follow people in gaming. Um, 
you know, the crew, uh, one, at least one or two people from Giant Bomb, uh, a site that I really follow and that I was talking about earlier. Um, you, you know, like, I don't know them. They would have no reason to talk to me. But if they were to be in a room and there was an interesting conversation that I would be an audience member in and I could raise my hand and, you know, oh, maybe I'll get a chance to uh, actually... Uh, chat with them and you know who knows maybe make a professional connection or something you, you never know what will happen the zoom question is interesting to me because i first had that question in my head when early in the pandemic people started doing concerts and virtual events uh they were even even conferences and that sort of stuff via zoom or teams and I remember thinking, I spend enough time sitting at my computer looking at little squares and, and listening to voices of people talking in professional ways. I, I, di I, haven't done, I didn't do virtual CES or virtual ATIA or any of those things because I just couldn't bear it. And it is, it's funny to make this comparison because to me it feels different. I think one of the reasons it feels different somehow it feels like the sort of stakes and the expectations when I'm on an audio only call and I can sit and be comfortable and lean back in my chair and I don't have to be showing visually that I'm looking at people. <laughs> it seems like the stakes are a little bit lower. You get to blend into the background more if you want to. Of course, with Zoom, you can turn off your video if you do use video. I have a one hour a day Zoom meeting, at least I have others sometimes, but there's that one hour when basically my reason for being there is to update my colleagues on what I'm doing and learn what they're doing and ask about things for the next day. It's highly associated with my job. And this doesn't feel, even though I talked about some places in Clubhouse where I've actually made some connections that I think will be useful for my work, it doesn't feel the same. This is Shelley and I'm done speaking. For accessibility-wise, just want to let the low-vision users know that when, if you do get called up to the stage in a room, um, if you do have some usable vision, there is actually a pop-up that does appear visually. Um, I couldn't read it. I had to grab my work phone and use the magnifier on it to uh, magnify the Same. thing on this one. It's very annoying. And the colors are wrong. And oh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but the, to let people know that basically there are two wide buttons on the top of the screen and the bright white one on the right is you don't actually have to go into your profile if you have enough vision to hit that button and you're able to just join that way. So I'm hoping that since that pop-up has already exists, uh, what people have already been mentioning, hopefully that will be a uh, voiceover accessible update soon. Yeah, just to add super quickly to that, apparently if you uh, turn on screen recognition, you can also find that button. Mm. But, you know, if you're flicking, how long does it take you to flick through the rotor and get to that point and so on? But I forgot about that until you mentioned it, Jesse. To address what Jesse and Shelley said, I think that this app is much more portable. Do not have to deal in video makes it feel uh, you're less tethered, so you can wander wherever you want. I really appreciate that. And also, Shelley, I did go to Pepcom in New York via Zoom. I loved it. I was thrilled because I usually can't get to New York to go to that show. But I really appreciate the fact that I don't have to be tethered to my computer with Zoom on this. I don't have that many Zoom meetings, 
But this just seems easier and more convenient. Rose is joining us. Hi. Thanks for inviting me up here. What's on your mind? What's what's been your experience like with Clubhouse? I think I've seen you in some some other rooms before. I know I do because I followed you. So <laughs> yeah, I co I co moderated a fifteen percent room uh, last Thursday, and I'm going to be co moderating another one again this week. Um, my partner and I have been co moderating how to blind rooms where we talk about blindness and independent living and screen readers and cooking and all sorts of things. And so we're going to try and continue that. Uh, Monday and Wednesday as time goes on. Uh, But what really motivated me to come up on here was this whole Zoom conversation. And I definitely don't want to beat a dead horse. uh, But with the company I come from, um, some of you know who my previous employer is, and I'm not here to talk about my, you know, that particular company in itself, but more my experience, like in that role itself, um, having transitioned from working in person to work from home. And I think that we're seeing two opposite ends of the spectrum. So on Clubhouse, a lot of people are, yes, talking about they're tired of showing up on video, uh, but there are two things that I noticed. One from the manager's point of view, let's say you're the only one on video and you have no visual feedback, but you're a visual person. And that's the feedback that you're supposed to be relying upon. I can imagine how it would feel very vulnerable to see all these dead video feeds, you have no reaction to go on, but you're supposed to be on video because your company mandates that you're on video or vice versa, everybody else is on video. So if you're not, you you look like the bad guy. I'm very fortunate with the company that I work at now that now we go on Zoom and we're not expected to share video, but I, I, I think just the vulnerability, people are tired of having to be that vulnerable in their own space for some reason. There's some, there seems to be a disconnect between how, you know, it, it's okay to dress up in person, but when we're in our own home, we just don't want to do it anymore. Sorry, this is Rose, and um, I'm venturing my thoughts for now. There's all sorts of etiquette around video and Zoom that I've seen that is are really interesting. Uh, my my daily team group, some people jump on off video for a moment so that they can put some food in their mouth. So I, I think for for some for some groups, the informality of being able to turn off video that there's there's a lot more acceptance of that. And in other groups, there is this expectation you will always be looking at the camera and you're you're rude if you don't do it. And I think backgrounds have a similar vibe where there's some people who don't feel like they want to show their home and so they show a background. But for in other environments, a background is somehow you know considered to be uh, hiding the space that you're living in. And so it, it's an interesting, tricky, eth- a tricky set of etiquette challenges, especially if you're blind or visually impaired. How do you explain that and how do you navigate for that for your own personal needs? Rose, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm wondering if you would mind talking a little bit about the 15% project, because I have been in a couple of those rooms and I talked about the ways in which that group is trying to work to improve accessibility in Clubhouse. But are there other things going on that we should know about? What I'm really noticing, and I I don't mind being put on the spot, is talk about disability in general, but different types of disabilities. So wheelchair disabilities, or specifically, uh, there's talk about the deaf community and those who are hard of hearing right now, because 
right now they're having to rely on third-party services in order to participate. And apparently that's pretty hard to do when you're in real time. And then how do we make things more inclusive for them? Like I know Shelly, um, it seems like in this room um, and for this podcast, you've been encouraging people to say, this is Rose or this is Shelly and I'm done speaking. Um, but like, is that a trend that we need to encourage more often? We can be very insular in the blind community. It's so easy to think about ourselves and our needs, uh, but Chansey said it best the other day. I'm pretty sure it was her. She said, right now we have a community that we need to show up for because they may not be able to show up for themselves. They are not fully included in this app. And so how do we make sure that all disability types are included? I feel like we're seeing a coming together of different disability types. I have been in the online communities, specifically around the blind community and elsewhere for over 15 years. And I have never seen such a united front. And so while I have my personal gripes with, with Clubhouse uh, regarding accessibility and privacy and security, I not like strongly, but I think that there are room to, there's room to grow in these areas. I think that I definitely want to see where this app goes because I think we have an opportunity here that is bigger in than, just clubhouse. We have the ability to come together as a community, regardless of disability, um, and to show that there's strength in numbers. Additionally, and I don't, I don't want to get too far into this because I want to make sure that others have the uh, platform and the stage to speak, but there are also conversations elsewhere about diversity and inclusion. And what does that look like? Like, for instance, um, I'm going by my uh, former last name Morales, you know, I'm Latina. And so what does it look like for somebody that's Latino or black to go on stage? What does it look like for somebody that is, is Asian or maybe they feel like they're not like everybody else and they have those concerns because they feel marginalized? How do we include those people? And so I just I love the conversations that are happening on Clubhouse and I, I hope they keep going. This is Rose and I'm done for now. Rose, thanks so much for that. And I, I really encourage everybody to plug into what the 15% is doing. And I want to do that as well. And things like the the I'm Done Speaking nomenclature, which we talked about earlier tonight, and I, I got schooled on why that started, because it, it has to do with making it easier for folks who are hard of hearing to differentiate speakers. And I'm still having trouble remembering to do it. And so I do think that sort of diversity and inclusion goals where we want to make sure that we model the diversity, inclusion, and accessibility that we want it can sometimes be a challenge because we're in our own communities. We spend a lot of time with other people who are blind and aren't necessarily, it's not that we're insensitive, it's that we're just not necessarily clued in to what we can do to be as supportive of our, you know, brothers and sisters and other disability communities as, as, as we should. So. I'm Shelley and I'm done speaking and I'm going to invite Wes onto the stage. He's been waiting a while and I apologize for that, but please come on down. I'm in teams meetings most of the day and we don't share video but we share other things files you know there's always side chats going on with the audio uh, text-to-speech low vision so it's very confusing so i like this platform it's it's only audio um and i i'm mostly in uh audio consumer. So, you know, I'll put my phone in my pocket, do other things, dishes, laundry, whatever. Um, you know, I've been in uh, rooms listening about the perseverance in Mars and uh, 
even I joined one room and did a little bit of talking where uh, French people were learning to speak English. I think it has room to grow. It's it's going to get there, but I, I do like the fact that it is only audio. There's only that one stream that you have to worry about. Um, but yes, it is. I, I wanted to send somebody a link yesterday, and I'm, I had to say, well, just follow me on Twitter and I'll DM it to you because there's no way to do that. This is Wes. I'm done. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, all the people who have spoken and who have hung out in the audience, uh, Joe and Ricky and Eileen and Jesse and Rose and, well, all of you who are still here and those who had to go, I just want to sort of end by reintroducing myself and what I was planning to do here tonight. And, and thank you so much for helping me with it. I'm Shelley Brisbane. Among the many things I do out there on the Internet is I host a show called Parallel. It is a conversation about accessibility, a conversation about technology with accessibility spring. So some episodes of the show are heavy on the tech and light on the accessibility, and some are the reverse. But the idea is that folks in the mainstream world and in the accessibility world don't often talk, and they really should. And so I thought I made a, would make a podcast where that was what we did. And so this was my experiment in uh, an attempt to talk about Clubhouse, this new phenomenon that's gaining a lot of acceptance and interest in the accessibility community. I thought I would just make a show using the uh, the platform clubhouse so you can find out more about my podcast parallel at relay.fm slash parallel or you can follow the show at parallel pods on twitter you can also follow me at shelly on twitter s-h-e-l-l-y my dms are open follow me here follow me over on twitter or i, I think i linked instagram to clubhouse for reasons i'm not entirely sure of uh, but i want to thank all of you for joining me either in the audience or on stage this has been a really great conversation and hopefully uh, clubhouse will uh, <laughs> be able to take our input into account uh, moving forward. Thanks, everybody, and good night.